baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. You know, it's been said that insects rule the world. And if that's true, what does that make us? The tenants, I guess. But at the very least, we are certainly outnumbered. Not that any of us should be surprised. We've all had scary insect encounters at one time or another, right? I was out in the backyard yesterday fighting off a bunch of wasps whose nest I'd disturbed. But for one couple in the state of Maine, insects have literally taken over their lives. Spongy moth caterpillars, in this case, denuding their trees, covering their house, and even popping up in their food. It's an incredible story that raises the question, could climate change be impacting the way humans and insects interact? And we had some questions about these spongy moth caterpillars, the type of larvae that we're seeing up and down the East Coast. Well, yeah, we have a worse one than spongy moth. What? Brown tail moth. Their hairs have a toxin in them and they're hollow hairs. And so the hairs go airborne. And so if you live in an area with the outbreak zone, it's a public health concern because you actually break out in a rash. That's Angela Mech, an assistant professor of forest entomology at the University of Maine, joining us this week along with Erica Hassel, the conservation ecologist with the Keller Science Action Center at the Field Museum in Chicago, to take a peek into what the future holds for some of Earth's oldest creatures and figure out what it means for us. I'm Mike Rogers, and this is Something Offbeat. Each week, I take a look at headlines that make you think, and sometimes the ones that make your skin crawl. I assume you've heard about this story. It's in your state, the spongy moths, right? Yes. Kind of creeping me out. Well, if you're afraid of caterpillars, then perhaps this isn't the best time to visit Maine. But in a few more weeks, they'll all be gone, and instead you'll be inundated with, with moths instead. The spongy moths emerging in Maine are originally from France, accidentally introduced near Boston in the 1800s by an entomologist hoping to breed silkworms. They're dark, they're covered with hair, and telltale blue and red markings as well. They've been around a long time, but is this sort of infestation that these people are dealing with, is that something new? Not really. So we've been dealing with many of these insects for, for over 100 years, and these ones we refer to as outbreaking pests. So normally we can't find them on the landscape. They're, they're nowhere to be found. And then on a somewhat predictable cycle, they outbreak. And when they outbreak, their numbers are so extreme that they're basically everywhere that their host can be found. And so right now in Maine, spongy moth is outbreaking in, in certain parts of the state. Tell me about this species. The spongy moth, is, that's the common name, but what, what are we talking about here? So we are talking about a very hungry caterpillar. So these, this particular species has one of the largest host diets out there. It feeds on over 200 different species of trees, uh, hardwood trees, as well as conifer trees. 
And when they're outbreaking, uh, they can cause substantial defoliation on the landscape. And really their numbers are just so high that if you have repeated years of defoliation, we start seeing tree mortality. And it's one of the biggest pests we have in Eastern North America. I mean, they can strip a tree down to nothing in no time, can't they? And very, yes, very few days. And in fact, that was, I just saw this out here on campus the other day where a tree was looking great. And two days later, there was barely any leaves left on it. Is there any way to get rid of these caterpillars? Oh, there's always ways to get rid of insects, but it's a, it's a matter of what you're willing uh, to deal with and, and what you're willing to, to pay for. The couple in Maine whose home has been overrun with these spongy Marth larvae have already spent $6,000 fixing damage caused by the infestation. They say it could cost up to $40,000 to completely rid their property of the pests. And according to the U.S. Department of Agriculture, chemical insecticides are no longer used to control spongy moth populations. Instead, only biocontrol mating disruptors can be used. But Mech says Mother Nature also has ways of keeping outbreaks at bay. There are native predators, there are native parasitoids, and there are pathogens that are in the system that if there's the right conditions uh, can cause a population to crash. Otherwise, you're looking at different pesticides or biopesticides, so organic uh, things like a bacteria that is naturally found that you can spray that to kill them. So there are ways to reduce, reduce them. A study published last year in the Nature Journal found that climate change, and climate warming in particular, promotes pesticide resistance. We asked Mech what role she thinks climate change is playing when it comes to the sorts of insect outbreaks seen this year in Maine. So all insects are poikilotherms, which is just a super big, fancy word uh, to say that they don't regulate their their body temperature like like warm-blooded animals do. And so whenever there's a change in temperature, it's going to affect them. So some species may add an extra generation in a year because there's more time to, to squeeze a generation in. So you're going to see more of them. And at a longer time of year, we're seeing range expansion. So here in Maine, in Maine, we just uh, detected southern pine beetle for the first time in history, which is typically only found in the southern regions. Um, and so we're seeing you know, shifting of species being found where they typically uh, weren't before. The outbreaking ones, climate can come into play with how long that outbreak lasts, which is a bummer for those of us that are dealing with outbreaks. It's always interesting to hear like when, when insects are taking over because most of my life is thinking about the decline of insects. That's Erica Hassel, a conservation ecologist with the Field Museum in Chicago. Their work includes conservation planning for monarch butterflies in urban areas. So we, we think about the, the interrelationship of everything. And when we have these declines, sometimes things do get out of balance and you have this explosion in one area. And sometimes it's a, just a weird weather thing. You know, I, I am originally from the Gulf Coast and you'd get a, a spring rain and suddenly everything is covered in mosquitoes and it feels like this, that they're taking over. But overall, globally, we are in this massive insect decline. Most people are surprised when I say that the population of monarchs has declined 80%. The climate change related to that? Yeah, yeah, it's climate change. It's a lot of things associated with it. You know, we are using 
uh, pesticides at a rate that is much higher than has ever been used. And parts of that are great. We need to create food for a population in the world. Some of those pesticides are not as targeted as they could be. And we need to be mindful of the fact that we, we, do, we do live in an ecosystem where we need these insects. You know, one of the things is it's really, our brains are wired to notice a sudden big change. So if your house is taken over by caterpillars, you will notice that sudden big change. But a small steady change, our brains just don't notice it. I think we're, we're all aware maybe at night that, that you hear insect sounds. But that, that that symphony has changed and is ever changing. It changes throughout the season, maybe in ways that we don't consciously know, but it also changes across time. And so we're losing voices or instruments from that symphony. It's interesting because, I mean, I'd always heard that when humans are gone from the planet, it'll just be the insects. The insects oh. will take over. But maybe not. They don't seem to be doing well. Oh, some some of them will be here. Something will be here. I mean, it is true that like the 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 total mass of insects on Earth is is far more than us. Um, that yeah, they, something will survive, and and they are truly the survivors. Um, you know, we were we were talking about a time 300 million years ago. If you can imagine, there was a dragonfly that was. It had a two-foot wingspan. I would have been an indoors kind of guy. So what exactly has climate change been doing to the, the balance that you mentioned earlier? One of the things that we see is species moving moving north, species being able to survive a winter that they wouldn't be. You know, I'm in the northern part of the country now, in the Midwest, and we're seeing ticks coming up from the southern part of the country that we're not excited to have here. Species be able, able to live further into the winter season that they wouldn't have before. Concerns about mosquito spread disease that we wouldn't be able to get in this part of the country. So those are real concerns for people. Um, they're concerns for livestock and wildlife able to contract those diseases that they wouldn't be able to get in previous before climate change scenarios. But while an invasion of caterpillars or a swarm of mosquitoes can be annoying and disturbing and even dangerous, Erica stressed that humans actually need some insects out there to survive if we want to survive. We have to be aware that we are part of an entire ecosystem. That at the end of the day, a lot of our food is still pollinated by bees. And we like to think that like we have moved beyond this reliance on the natural world. We are still, if the rain doesn't fall, we're in real trouble. And we're seeing that out west. Are we going to see more stories like this one in Maine? Yeah, I think so. I think it's always hard to, in any one case, like point, this is the exact cause of any one thing. But change is the key word there. And we're going to see change. We're going to see these weird things that we haven't seen before because things are going to get out of, out of balance. and. We have to prepare for the unexpected. We have to be adaptive and we have to have some, some grace with our changing planet. 
I'm Mike Rogers with News Radio 1080 KRLD in Dallas, Fort Worth. And thanks for joining me on Something Off Beats. This episode written and produced by Lauren Berry and Chris Blake with audio editing by Chris Blake, original music by Myron Kaplan, and editorial support from Cooper Mall. To keep listening, please subscribe to us on the Odyssey app. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. Or Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you enjoyed this episode, please tell your friends to check it out. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.